Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Nice to hear you all in the audience. I can hear you all clapping and saying, wow, Internet of Things is on the air again, and we're so happy. This is one of our longest running shows under the banner of Game Changers Radio, season seven. Yes, yes, yes. Very interesting show we have for you today, and it's going to be a topic that can impact, influence, or inspire all of you, I promise, in our listening audience all over the world. So, Let me start with my intro, and then I'll have my guests introduce themselves. First up, welcome, welcome, welcome. You know what I'm going to say. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place, because this is where the best run, and I know that to be a fact. Let's see what the buzz is today. I have a quote from a website called J-A-X-E-N-T-E-R, jackcenter.com. And let me read a little bit of the quote, and then we will get to it. So the quote is, AI. Artificial intelligence, we all know that by now, is developing at whirlwind rates. While nobody can say for certain how it will impact your work and personal lives, we can make a few good educated guesses. And with COVID-19 limiting human interaction in the built environment, think office work, yes. Advancements in AI and automation are on course to accelerate. So that's the overview of our topic. AI and related disruptive technologies, and we can't even call them new anymore because they've been around for a while, are impacting how we work today more than in recent years. We have collaboration technologies. I'm doing the show on Zoom. I have the privilege of seeing my guests right here on Zoom on video while we're on the radio broadcasting audio. We have video conferencing. We have intentions and task assignment apps like Cortana. Cortana started popping up on my Mac a couple days ago. I like her. She's okay. So what's the bottom line? AI is the engine transforming the workforce landscape. It is spawning new tech jobs. It is eliminating repetitive busy work assignments. Come on, you all know those things you don't want to keep doing over and over again. It's automating hazardous jobs. That's a good thing. It is helping to reduce human error. Okay, we're human. We make errors. It's helping to evaluate job applicants. There might be AI going through a resume you submit to a job in the near future and even rating sales leads using something called sentiment analysis. It is fascinating. I have three experts on the show today, different companies, different backgrounds, different inspirations, and we're going to find out what they think about our topic. And the topic officially is get to work, how AI is transforming the labor market. My guests are Naeem Zafar. He is back. He's been on before. Welcome, Naeem. We have Sena Zorlu. And Naeem is a Telesense. Everybody knows that. Sena Zorlu is at Kubera Venture Capital. Sena has a gorgeous background. You just did it. She put a a beautiful virtual background. We'll talk about it later. And we're welcoming Peter Wu. He spells his last name W-O-O. He's from Course Hero. And by the way, Sena spells her last name Z-O-R-L-U if you want to look her up. Sena, S-E-N-A. Welcome to my panelists. Naeem, you're a veteran of radio with me. Why don't you introduce yourself first? And Naeem, talk to the might be 10 people in the world who don't remember you. Shame on them. <laughs> Naeem, go ahead. Introduce yourself. Well, I'm an electrical engineer. I've been uh, in Silicon Valley starting companies, uh, running a company number seven uh, called Telesense. We are applying artificial intelligence and wireless sensors, IoT, to the most boring industry in the world, post-harvest grain storage. 
because we all got to eat, animals got to be fed. Who's going to make sure that they don't spoil? How do you protect your supply chain of grain? I'm also teach at, I'm a professor at University of California, Berkeley and Northeastern University. Nice to have you back. Naeem, tell me something, this topic, AI and the labor market, the workforce, how important is this? Is this a big deal now? Is this something that's just happening where AI is stepping up? We're here. And I mentioned people can't go to the built environment, meaning that's a code for working remotely around the world. What's your your quick overview on the topic, Naeem? It's uh, profoundly, AI is profoundly transforming the labor market and has an impact about what jobs will be hot, what jobs will be lost. I mean, how many people we have friends who are travel agents today? What mm-hmm. happened to them? They're gone. This is going to happen to many more jobs. So if you're aspiring to become an accountant, maybe even a lawyer, who I can make a list, a long list, those professions will be profoundly impacted. But it doesn't mean that all jobs disappear. New jobs are being created and how we will interact with the AI is the future. Just like when steam engine came, when you have electricity, we did not replace us. We found new ways of working and being productive. AI has the same promise, and it's the biggest change we have seen in the last maybe 50 years since the computers become prevalent. So it'll be a lot more to talk about that. Thank you very much, Naeem. And let's move around the table to one of our newcomers, Senna Zorlu. So happy to meet you, Senna. We met on a prep call recently, and I'm looking forward to your words of wisdom. So, Senna, why don't you take a few minutes and introduce yourself to our audience and tell them what is your passion about AI and the labor market. And you can speak from the lens of COVID, where things have changed very quickly in the past eight, nine months. Okay, go ahead, Senna. Welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I am originally from Turkey. I moved to United States um, in uh, early 2000 for college. Uh, I studied development and economics at Brown University. Um, and I, I mostly lived in the East Coast. Um, I also have an executive MBA from Coach University of Turkey and in partnership with Peking University in Beijing, China. Um, I have been mostly an operator, company builder. I've built four companies, um, two technology startups, two in uh, service industry. And I have been uh, investing for Kubera Venture Capital for the past uh, two years, uh, mostly focused on uh, digital workforces. And I'm investing in the exact intersection of what we're talking about today. So it's very interesting. Um, um, and I, I've, I've been living and breathing it. So I am specifically passionate and looking at um, what we call uh, digital workforce tools. How are we digitizing traditional industries? How are we taking them online? How are we dramatically changing our uh, workforce skills? Um, How are we making daily tasks more efficient using uh, AI, machine learning, digitization, where we get to um, focus on more creative side of things and more decision-making side of things. So it's an area that I'm deeply passionate in. I call myself a tool geek. Um, I, I try different tools every day um, just for fun. And I'm I'm very passionate about um, creating more efficient um, daily uh, work so that we can face from the traditional eight-hour, nine-hour workday into um, a more creative output. Sen, I have two questions for you. Number one, do you ever sleep? 
And number two, do you want to become, you want to add life coach to your list of, of uh, professional, <laughs> you're, you're basically the banner over you, what you do, because so many people on board, it's COVID, I can't go to the mall, I can't go to the bar, I can't do this. And you're saying you're a tool geek, you try new tools every day. That's inspiring, Senna. Do people ask you to show them how to, how to live more interestingly during COVID? I'm serious. Do you get that comment? No, but it's um, I, I, I usually get asked by entrepreneur friends of like, you know, I, I want to automate this task. What is the latest tool for it? And, and I will usually have an opinion on like, and I've, I've probably tried five tools already. Um, and I also have these like sample data sets that I apply from tool to tool to, on, to really benchmark them. In terms of sleep, I've never been a good sleeper. And uh, <laughs> I have a baby right now. So I was like challenge accepted. Um, the, the short answer is no, but you, you got to take from something. I, I sleep like four hours a day. That's oh, my goodness. Average. And I thought I was I was cutting it short with about six. My goodness. Very nice to have you on the show, Sen. A very impressive background, as all of you. Peter Wu, you're another newcomer to Game Changers. We're so happy to have you. And why don't you introduce yourself to our global audience? Peter, go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. I'm uh, so I'm a serial entrepreneur, uh, uh, mostly in consumer web recently. And uh, I've actually worked in transportation, uh, in uh, consumer internet. Uh, my last startup was a uh, online grocer, and um, and sort of taking a sabbatical right now, and, and kind of going back to my software engineering roots. So, uh, right now, I'm a software engineer at Course Hero. We are an ed tech company, and we focus on helping uh, college students and college professors. Wow. And what's your thought about how AI is helping or hindering the workforce? And Naeem talked, Peter, Naeem talked about how it's going to open up new opportunities for work. It's going to take away some of the, the less interesting jobs. And Senna talked about how it's helping us maintain the workforce today through remote, remote tools. So, Peter, are, are you on both sides of the fence on that one? Either one, what's your, what's your engagement on the topic? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm on both sides of the fence. You know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about college students and the workforce they're coming into. Um, and especially, you know, I think that kind of from both ends of uh, the college students coming in and also just hiring for our company, you know, so, uh, software tends to be a younger uh, field. And, and I kind of uh, interview a lot of folks in the, their, their 20s. And I certainly feel like um, uh, when I think about the skills that they'll need for their careers, um, they, it, it, to some extent, it's, it's uh, really about collaborating with the AI and also kind of knowing when to apply kind of digital technologies versus uh, working with uh, you know, people, basically human intelligence. Thank you very much. We can only hope there's still human intelligence, right, Naeem? <laughs> That's what we're banking on. And I think the three of you are examples of very human, very intelligent. I am so impressed with the three of you, your backgrounds, your motivation, the companies you've started, the companies you're... I think I don't think I've ever had a panel with quite such a concentration of entrepreneurial energy in in many many years. Naeem, are you impressed with these? I can say it, Naeem. They're a little bit younger than we are. I can say that. Naeem, are you impressed by the two of them? Because you're impressive on your own. What do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. They're they're the future of this country because they are the movers and shakers with the right background, right enthusiasm, right energy. It's it's beautiful. I think am I giving away a trade secret here, Peter and Sen? I think you told me before the show you both graduated from Brown in two thousand what two thousand two thousand four. We we found out yesterday. And and it's sixteen years later when you've started companies and you're changing the world and 
goodness gracious, we need to turn this into a life coaching show with the three of you, seriously, <laughs> to motivate people to use their human intelligence. I, I know we're talking tech here, but this is very inspiring. You can tell I'm very excited to meet the three of you. So let's go on with the show now. Okay, Bonnie, enough. Now let's go to the part of the show where my guests have been asked by me very sincerely to pick a quote from a movie or a song because it's fun to know what their favorite movie and song quotes are. And they're going to have the audacity or I'm challenging them to relate the quote to our topic today. And if you're just tuning in, this is Internet of Things with Game Changers presented by SAP. And I'm still Bonnie in the house. So Naeem has sent us a quote from John Lennon's song, Beautiful Boy, Darling Boy. Let me give a little background name and then I will give the quote. Beautiful Boy is a song written and performed by John Lennon released on in the October, let's see, released in 1980 album Double Fantasy. It was the last album by Lennon and Ono before his very untimely death. He was assassinated. And the song was for Sean, Lennon's only child with Yoko Ono. I remember Sean Lennon was a musical star in his own. It begins with John comforting Sean from presumably a nightmare and passionately describes the love for his son and the joy Sean gave him. And here is the quote, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. I don't know whether to cry or not, Naeem. you got to rescue me here. Naeem, what does this have to do with our topic about AI and the labor market, the workforce? Go ahead. You know, we all grow up to be a certain profession. We have a view for life, and suddenly things happen, COVID happens. How do you rearrange your life, your ambitions, to make to somehow connect the dots back again? And I think AI has done the same thing. A lot of the things which were people trained for, suppose you're a radiologist Mm -hmm. and you're looking at uh, x-rays all day long and you went to eight years of medical school and college to be good at that. And now comes around IBM Watson and it's like 100,000 times more accurate about predicting cancer in radiology. You feel what happened to my life? So you got hit by something, you don't realize it. So what you need is an entrepreneurial mindset to take advantage of that, to collaborate with this new technology, then give up. So I think that song, that quotation resonates with me in that thing that it's okay to make plans, but you know, life is not what plans are. Isn't that interesting? Thank you. Interesting interpretation. I wasn't quite expecting that. And it's true. So many professions. And it's it's interesting you brought up IBM Watson, Naeem, because we know Watson was a guest on Jeopardy. Remember? A few years ago. And Watson was doing fabulously. And Alex Trebek left us a couple of days ago after a heroic battle with pancreatic cancer. He just died this week at 80. And the world the world is impacted because he was such a look at the the intelligence that entered people's homes just listening to the questions and the answers on Jeopardy. Look at the trivia that wasn't even trivial that that came to so many people. And Alex was the if, if you in a way he was the concierge of that kind of entry of what has happened in the world with people, with machines, with countries, with technology, everything. So and history. Thank you so much, Naeem. I really appreciated the John Lennon quote. That was lovely. Let's Let's go to Senna. Senna sent us a quote from a very serious movie. The movie is 12 Years a Slave. It's a 2013 biographical period drama film, an adaptation of the 1853 slave memoir, 12 Years a Slave, by Solomon Northrup. Interesting. It was named the best film of 2013 by many media outlets. Let me leave it at that. Here's the quote. I don't want to survive. I want to live. Oh, Senna, I got goosebumps. Tell me, what is this quote? So dramatic. What does it mean? I think to be honest, it's it's so powerful and it's it's relevant today as it used to be back then that men have depended 
depended on other men historically for manufacturing and, and even today, and this created, you know, politics and power struggles um, throughout history in, in different forms. And even though it's, it's changing, we, we still have it. And with the advancement of technology, we can finally think of and, and building a future that does not rely on physical manpower for the first time. And I think that's going to be a complete game changer in the way we see politics and in, in the way we see um, uh, equality um, uh, the, and, and that transition is going to be difficult because we still have so many uh, the, the, the dependence on men in the labor force today, but it is coming and it's coming in the next few years and it's, it's an opportunity in the advancement of human well-being and I thought it was so powerful for today's topic. Very powerful. Thank you. And the topic is powerful too. Thank you, Senna. Peter has sent us another very serious quote from Harvey Dent. That's the character portrayed by Aaron Eckert in the final scene of the movie, Batman. Da, 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 da. Oh, I couldn't do that. I won't do that on the air. I'm sorry, Peter. That's terrible. <laughs> Batman, the Dark Knight. It's a 2008 superhero film, directed, produced, and written by Christopher Nolan based on the DC comic character, Batman, the film, is the second installment of Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy and a sequel to 2005's Batman Begins with Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Heath Ledger. Oh, my goodness, it goes on and on. Here is the quote. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That is such a cool quote. (laughs) Peter, what does it have to do with is AI the villain or the hero here? Go ahead, Peter. Uh, I think that I, I, I was actually referring to, um, uh, you know, folks, folks kind of entering a new job and kind of starting a career. I feel like a lot of folks get into something because they're really excited about the field. And um, I, the, with, with AI and especially the proliferation of digital uh, data, um, I, I think that uh, the, the jobs are changing and kind of what you're right about actually also changes uh, in the sense that there's nothing that really kind of proves you wrong as much as like uh, empirical data. And so at, at some point, I think everybody kind of needs to accept that going in, they may kind of think of themselves as a hero of a certain cause, but the, uh, inevitably they're going to be wrong, wrong about it uh, at some point in their career. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And we have now finished our quotes opening segment of the show. Now we're going to go to the, not the crystal ball predictions. I'm jumping ahead. I'm so excited about the topic. Let's go to the round table. The serious part of the show is if we haven't been serious enough. I know we're doing a lot of smiling. Naeem Zafar is up first. And Naeem, let's talk about your statement number two. I will read it and then ask you to expand it. Take a couple of minutes, two and a half, three minutes. We're not clocking you. We're not going to throw you off the show if you go too long, but we might if you go too short. I never said that before. And then we'll see if Senna agrees or disagrees. And then Peter as well. So here's statement number two. AI is transforming the job landscape. Intelligent collaboration tools that shape how we work, how employees are evaluated, how they may eventually replace middle managers. I think that's the key that may be worrying people in our listening audience. Naeem, give us some good news or bad news. Go ahead. It's up to you. So if you look at any organization, there are three hierarchy. There are people who actually do the work, the people on the top who make the decision, where's the company is going or what to be done, strategy, and there's a middle management. What is their job? Their role is to translate the strategy and instructions so worker bees can perform the task and then collect the information, what was performed, so they can report up to the top management. Well, it turns out more and more, 
as we're working remotely and even not remotely, software tool can do the job of middle management much better. It can break down the big strategy. Okay, you got to do this, you got to do this, and track everything and bring it up there. So what is the role of middle management? And so many of us are in that role, and those are good, well-paying jobs. So slowly, you'll see erosion. So role of middle management of the future will change from translating instruction and reporting to mentoring and selling your ideas upstairs. It's a different role. It's a different training, which we don't give today in MBA schools. So I think this is going to have a very interesting transformation of the labor market. And because, let's take an example. You have 100 people, salespeople. Oh, salespeople are easy to measure because either they sell or not, you know how much they're selling. But let's say that people are software developers or people in marketing. Who are the top 50? How do you promote them? This is what middle manager does. Now you can have AI-based tools which can analyze your email, your sentiments. How do you respond to people? How long did you take to respond? Were you cheerful? Were you a negative Debbie Downer? You start doing this kind of analysis and you can have a profile. And tools are either available or will be built or Sana will tell me. So this kind of a tool in HR are helping manage the top performers from the people which you may want to reassign or get rid of. This used to be middle management job. So if you can get that done more accurately, more systematically, at less expensively, I can seriously cut my payroll cost. This is just getting started. We haven't, we are at the very early stage. This is going to profoundly change how people train, how do they work, what jobs they get. Interesting. And, and Naeem, is this going to work as well on the sentiment analysis with the remote workforce? I'm just curious. And Senna, Absolutely. I'm going to get you in on this. It will work as well remotely? Absolutely, and even more so, because then you don't see the people face-to-face. So you have to rely on this technology to see who's really engaged, who's working, and who's watching Netflix during the day. <laughs> Interesting, because if if uh, we were doing this all on phone, I'm, I'm reflecting that we're all here on Zoom, and I can see. I have all four of us up on the screen. So it's me, Peter Wu is next to me, Santa Zorlu is on the lower left, and Naeem Zafar is underneath me. And I can see your sentiments, and I never thought about it that way. Naeem, I call this nuanced radio because I get to see how you think. I get to see when you're smiling and when Santa's brain is swirling around for what she's getting. When Peter's saying, hmm, what am I going to am I going to do? So I'm watching you think. <laughs> And I didn't realize it in a way I'm, I'm doing human sentiment analysis, aren't I, Naeem, right now? Yeah, that's, you're right. Never thought about it. That's brilliant. So you could have eight people from a team on a Zoom call and, and humanly looking to see who's happy, who's not. Forget about the cats and the kids running around in the background if you're working from home. It's not what we're talking about. But the engagement the level of engagement and interest. Let's go around the table. That was really interesting, uh, Zaim. Okay, let's go. Senna, talk to me. Naim, go ahead, Senna. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with him, um, in, except for one um, area. I do watch Netflix while I'm working. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of my things. That's the only uh, way I get to watch some TV. But... Um, uh, Absolutely, I am with him. Um, and when we think of AI changing the workforce, we are, uh, the media, let's say, is, is mostly focused on um, change of jobs at the lowest level. But uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting conversation to have, and it's an essential conversation to have, that it's going to have impact across all levels, not just the lowest jobs. 
Thank you. Interesting. Peter Wu, join us. What side are you on this one? Agree or disagree with either or both? You've got a lot of work to do here. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'm, uh, I, I agree that the middle manager job is going to change. Uh, I, I actually feel like it's, um, it's still going to be there. Um, I think when, when I think about AI, what it's really about is turning human problems into a math problem uh, because computers are just good at math. And so, um, you know, all, anything having to do with sentiment analysis or uh, language analysis, it's all kind of turning things that computers aren't quite good at into a math problem. Um, and so if, if it's a solution that can be quantified, like, um, you know, how quickly they, uh, somebody responded to an email or uh, how happy people are with their communication, then that's great. I, you know, I think that something like um, how inspired somebody is or um, kind of their, um, their internal mood, that's, that's maybe something that can't be measured or quantified, um, at least in the near term. And so I think that those sorts of things uh, that maybe are harder to quantify, those are still areas that uh, the middle managers need to kind of uh, focus on, um, is, you know, inspiring is, folks. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So. Naeem, this was your topic. Very interesting starter here, Naeem. I didn't, I didn't think we'd get that deep into it. This was wonderful. Naeem, you want to respond back to Senna and or to Peter? Anything you want to say? Yeah, I mean, we, we're not in great disagreement. The question is the extent and how fast would it be? So some things like, you know, watching either face and whatever, that those are the easy ones, facial expression. And I agree with Peter that all jobs are not going away. The jobs which require human empathy are not going away. So who will be popular? The, the, the counselor, the psychologist, the managers, doctor's role will become more of a social empathetic connection, not asking you a bunch of dumb and ordinary questions because AI and automation would have taken care of that. You know, when I go to doctor, I'm annoyed half the time because of the silly question I have to answer before I get to the real doctor. That'll be, I'm looking forward to not having to do that. Thank you. Anything you want to say back, Peter or Senna? Everybody good? Everybody's good. Okay, I've got I, us all I, up. Yeah, go ahead, Peter. I, I want to say I love the point about empathy. I think that that's, uh, yep. it's, it's certainly going to be increasingly important. Yes. Although when I tell Alexa, Alexa, I like you, she tells me she likes me back. And, we're, we're very, <laughs> and when I say you're funny, she says, thank you. She doesn't tell me I'm funny even when I'm trying to be, but she says, I like you too. And she hopes I have a nice day and she wishes me a, a nice day in the sunshine because she knows my weather. So there is a little bit of empathy there. I know it's AI empathy. I know it's a bot, but <laughs> when you're al- alone and you're, you're nobody to talk to, you just, it's not bad. Naeem, what do you think? I absolutely agree with you. Actually, I firmly believe as we get older, my best friend will be Siri because she <laughs> will know me more than anybody else. It's not current Siri, Siri 7.0. For older people, the biggest need is have, have somebody to talk to, have a decent conversation. That's because right. Kids are nowhere to be found. And we know that they secretly hear and record everything we say within earshot, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they exactly. do know a lot. Remember the movie Her? We'll just leave that one on the table. Her, falling in love with your OS. Interesting. Okay, Senna, I'm looking at your statements here. And let's veer into a slightly different area of AI in the workforce. You say supply chain and logistics is due for ground due for groundbreaking transformation. Manufacturing will move closer to the source with better demand calculation and improved manufacturing technologies. Let's relate this to workforce. Senna, you're up. Talk to me. 
I think uh, our, our existing model of, you know, China producing everything and the West consuming everything, it's, it's, it's changing. It's, it's not sustainable. It's prone for disruption, um, as we have seen it this year during the pandemic. Um, and we are seeing a change um, towards a more transparent and efficient supply chain using artificial intelligence today. Um, so instead of human making all the decisions, um, uh, that we are seeing emphasis on use of artificial intelligence in, in better modeling and better estimation, better operation, and it's an area that we heavily um, invest in. However, technologies today are focused on how to improve today's methods. Of, of manufacturing and consumption. And I think the next groundbreaking move is coming from localization of production while still keeping it standardized. Um, and that may be um, uh, the creating production at source in our homes and having more tools such as 3D printing um, mm -hmm. to have easier access to things that we can just start creating at home or even the reutilization of commercial real estate, such as malls and other areas um, in, in creating more sustainable food production, uh, material production that is going to be dramatically changing how we produce things. So um, I, I think it's going to be a transformation in that sense of who produces what we consume. Thank you. Fascinating. Peter Wu, join us. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think that that's a uh, uh, that's a great observation um, that, that, you know, the, the, the kind of the patterns of um, production and consumption are, are definitely going to change. When I think about the consumption side, uh, I, I'm actually very hopeful that uh, AI and digital technologies will enable, to, enable us to consume a lot less, uh, you know, certainly not something like food. But, uh, you know, if you think about cars, uh, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to, you know, take Uber and Lyft or, or have automated cars as opposed to owning a car. And, you know, most people kind of use a drill maybe three or four times a year. These are the sorts of things that, you know, I, I would be hopeful that we would just buy less of them and be able to kind of focus our energies on uh, kind of making things uh, that are not, not as material. Peter, I'm still hoping that AI will help me consume less food, but that's a losing battle right now. So I, I haven't figured that one out yet. I'm just hoping to automate the consumption, at least the trip from the computer, from the office to the refrigerator, the stove, the TV. I don't know. It's just too short. Naeem, we'd love to get your thoughts on the topic Senna just introduced and or what Peter shared. Naeem, you're up. So uh, it's quite fascinating and uh, very intrigued by this. So imagine movies, less, less a movie theater. So a few years ago, when a movie was released, several thousand copies of big round film will be shipped to each movie theater so they can play it. What happens today is digitally streamed. No more shipping thousands of those big bulky things. Now translate that to what exactly what Sena said. In the future, you'll go to the mall because when you bought something or bought a book or bought even an electronic machinery, it'll be 3D printed on demand at your local mall, will you just go pick it up or even be, can be delivered? So imagine that instead of shipping big air, uh, liners full of cargo coming from China to US and being distributed, how much carbon footprint is created? How much expenses incurred? All that we replace by local 3D printing. Now this is advanced 3D printing, not what we see. We're going in that direction. Are we there in five years, 10 years or 30 years? I don't know but we are definitely going in that direction. That's a game changer. 
it's new jobs. Some more so many jobs gone, new jobs are created. A complete transformation of industrial uh, world. Fascinating. Senna, this was your topic. You've gotten some very interesting commentary from your co-panelists. Anything you'd like to say back to them or open it up a little wider, Senna? Uh, I, I am absolutely with them. I think today when we talk about AI, um, especially in the press, we talk about how it's going to take jobs away. But to Naeem's point, it's it's going to add so many jobs and it's it's uh, it's a worthy conversation to have as well. Thank you very much. Great topic. I am so impressed with the three of you. This is, I didn't expect the conversation to go in so many interesting twists and turns, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and I know our listeners are too. Peter Wu, you're up next. Peter, let's talk about your statement number one. This is provocative and interesting. Everybody listen up. You don't want to miss this one. Peter says, knowledge workers, meaning anybody working in a job that usually requires a college degree, so let's just put that together now, Knowledge workers have fundamentally different brains than they did a decade ago. Today's knowledge workers learn differently because they grew up with an abundance of online information like Wikipedia and YouTube. And by the way, I made my first contribution to Wikipedia about two weeks ago. I finally gave in to their request for money because I use them every day, Peter. So there you go. I'm a supporter. Peter, what are we talking about here? Are we smarter? Are we different? What are we doing? You know, I think that we're very different. This is, I, I kind of saw a talk by Robert Reich uh, a couple of years ago, and he, uh, he, you know, he teaches at Berkeley, and he talks about how uh, the average attention span right now is about seven minutes, and you just have to change the topic every seven minutes to keep your folks engaged. Uh, it's just kind of working with some younger folks in, in my uh, field, um, both as, as users and kind of uh, hiring them. I've definitely noticed that they're so much quicker at, uh, figuring out the basics of something and uh, just having a, uh, a, a kind of a, a medium level of understanding of anything quite quickly. Uh, I think that the education is still kind of needed in terms of just having a breadth of ideas and then also anything that uh, goes into a lot of depth. But just sort of having that sort of medium level understanding, I think it's, it's sort of quicker than it's ever been. Peter, I have to tell you, I just Googled it, forgive me, please, but the attention span, according to Microsoft study, the average human attention span is now eight seconds down from 12 seconds in the year 2000. Eight seconds. I had a guest on one of my radio shows years ago who, uh, what was it, the, the, we compared to the attention span of a goldfish, and this woman was comparing it to a squirrel, <laughs> a squirrel foraging for, for nuts in the winter, eight seconds. She had it down to seven seconds, and that was about 10 years ago. Interesting. Naeem, you happen to be virtually sitting next to Peter, even though you may not know that. So I'm going to ask you, disagree or agree or anything in between, Naeem, about Peter's statement. Go ahead, Naeem. No, I agree that uh, attention span is shrinking. But question is, is it good or bad? Mm -hmm. The bad part is that you have to have the ability to do critical thinking and deep thinking and connect the dots. If you only live in the world of TikTok and Instagram, you may not, you, you develop this natural reaction thing and you don't do critical thinking. We need both. And the question is, are we going to delegate the critical thinking to AI? Or are we going to have bifurcation like we have sometime in blue color, white color, or some other kind of a workers too? Because the world needs that critical thinking and deep thinking and able to connect the dots. So this has a dilemma. And who's being challenged? The educational institutes. They haven't figured out 
how to teach differently, how to absorb and produce the kind of people we need. And that's the transformation yet to happen in the next 10 years. Thank you. Senna, chime in, please. Agree or disagree? Anything or all of the above? I think more than agree or disagree, it's, it's, it's something I, I am going to think about. But it's, um, it, it's, I always go back, and I was, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day who was telling me, uh, she, she was telling me that she thought I was crazy for, for doing a startup when I was 24, and she had this whole corporate track going on, and, and she thought she was, like, um, much more advanced. And she was saying, I, I wish I took more chance, and I, I, I wish... Um, I, I was more flexible in what I was doing. And like, I, I think about myself, I think the same way I think about, you know, I, I wish I was more relaxed back in college. I wish I took more creative courses, more courses of things that I was interested in, instead of being so vertically driven into getting this degree and, and getting this certificate. So I think I, I, I'm, Absolutely agreeing, but it's it's something I have never thought about that that before we used to be more um, let's say chasing of of diplomas and titles and everything. Whereas today, um, maybe we're more confident and maybe we are more well versed in in areas that we just want to consume more uh, information and and know about everything so that we can be better decision makers. So I absolutely agree, but it's an area that I, I actually want to think about more and it's it's a very interesting subject fascinating what you just said senna and i think guidance counselors in high school or coaches in college if they could get more students i didn't say kids students of all ages in colleges around the world to think not just about what do i want to do when i wake up every day or how am i going to earn a living but think about what is the world situation now and what do I want to do to be part of making it a better world or an easier world or a healthier world or a smarter world or a more efficient yeah. world or a friendlier world or a happier world or a more efficient world or a less wasteful world? If, if we could position that thinking about – am I right, Peter? I, I see you thinking about this. If we could position people entering pre-workforce but entering higher education to think in those terms instead of what kind of cool job do I want Peter what do you yeah. think this what do you think yeah I, I you know I, I agree with all of you, you in in terms of just that education is changing and needs to change um, I, I think that the point about kind of critical thinking and and uh, exploring kind of the important issues of the day uh, that's that's going to be I'm, I'm hopeful that that's going to be more emphasized, at least in higher education. Um, the other thing I would just mention, and this kind of goes back to sort of the, the importance of AI and uh, the prevalence of data, is that I think that the ability to kind of look at empirical data and uh, kind of actually see, you know, this is, these are the assumptions we've always made, but may, maybe they're wrong. Um, that's That's going to be much more possible because uh, the data will be there. And so um, I, I think that having the skills to kind of figure that out uh, is going to be increasingly important. Thank you very much. Great around the table. We have time for at least one more topic. Naeem, I'm looking at statement number four. I don't think we covered a lot of this. Let's see where we want to go. I put it in the chat for you. AI-assisted autonomous driving will give rise to de-urbanization of cities. And as employees do not return to the office buildings, and that was my comment about the built environment in my opening, or urban clusters which impact commercial real estate and retail shopping, here's the big word Naeem uses, forever. 
Naeem, this could have been your prediction <laughs> at the end of the show, but we're going to use it as a roundtable statement. What do you think, Naeem? What's happening with transportation? What's happening with urbanization or the lack thereof? Go ahead. See, the thing is, why do we live in congested cities? It's, uh, and you know, put up with traffic and pollution and a bunch of other negative things, crime, whatnot. The reason we do that is because this is where the entertainment is. This is where information is. where the jobs are. So we put up with all that. Mm-hmm. I think all that is about to change in the next 10 years, maybe 20. So there'll be de-urbanization. If you can get access to all your friends through electronic medium, if the AI-assisted delivery vehicles can bring the food and other things to you without you having to pay for expensive transportation because there'll be robots driven by AI delivering food and other items. You can connect and do productive work from any place. Wouldn't you rather live by the lake in a small community of maybe 500 people, like-minded people maybe, have more time socializing? This is how humans lived a few thousand years ago in clusters because they had all the needs met locally. The food was grown organically locally. So we are approaching that with AI and other robotic technology, with food production, with transportation automation. This is possible, once again, back to the future. And once you do that, it changes bunch of dynamics. So commercial real estate, why are apartments so expensive in the city? Because by law, you have to have so many parking spaces for everybody who lives in the apartment. Now, if we, you know, automated autonomous driving is possible thanks to AI, maybe that laws will change. So real estate could be used more productively if you were to live in the city. But I see it the couple of trends here, de-urbanization, and second is decongestion of the and the rent control issue in, in the in the big cities. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Let's go around the table. Senator Alu, what are your thoughts on deurbanization, autonomous driving, the changing composition of our cities, the need to live close together? Oh my goodness, so much to talk about. Senna, go ahead. I think um, yes, we are deurbanizing in a way, and and we are seeing that change. But I think at the same time, it's 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 going to introduce a change in the way we live, the physical environments that we need. Um, because as we shift experiences from urbanized environments into the home, the home needs to accommodate all of that. So um, I, I used to live in New York in, in a tiny apartment and, and whenever people used to come and visit me and be like, how do you live here? And I'm like, I, I'm never home. So it's going to be the opposite mm-hmm. of that where the more time we spend at home, we are going to be needing larger homes um, that will accommodate those lifestyles. If we're going to, if I'm going to a museum through VR, I am going to need a room that's like my VR room and and uh, so that I can create around it if, if my gym needs to be a peloton or mirror or some sort of you know supported hardware then I need to create a space at home um, to do my workout instead of going to the gym if, if I'm going to have a completely work from home experience I'm not going to use the dining table anymore I need my office where I can close the door and focus so it's like all of that I think it's also leading to a different type of home where um, we will need at least one versatile versatile space that is going to be different than our bedroom and that's going to be different than our living room. Um, So I think in that sense, homes are changing too. Hardware, IoT, connected products, they will all be changing to accommodate this new lifestyle. 
Wow. Naeem, you did it again. What a great statement to spark conversation. Peter Wu, can't wait to hear what you have to say. We're talking about office buildings. We're talking about urbanization. We're talking about home spaces. Peter, where are you on this issue? Go ahead. You know, I'm actually very bullish on urbanization. I think um, I think that after you know in the in the year or two after kind of we're we're over the the current pandemic, I, I feel like we're going we're headed for another roaring twenties, and uh, it a lot of that is really about being excited about uh, kind of meeting new people, having access to new ideas and creativity, and those things kind of happen the best when you're closer, very dense with other people. So uh, for me, when I th- kind of think about uh, urban uh, about um, AI and automated driving, it's, uh, it's what, what it's going to do is, like Naeem said, we're going to have a lot more parking spaces available, but the, what we're going to use them for, hopefully, is, is to kind of make cities more pleasant to live in, uh, make them into parking, park spaces. And, uh, but I think that the appeal of living in a city, especially if it's, it's more pleasant um, environmentally, the appeal is kind of being close to other people, and that, that's really not, not going to go away. Interesting. I will just add that in my community, um, I'll just say 55 plus, I'm just going to keep it there. We have big issues with how many cars you should be allowed to park in your driveway. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. How many cars you should be able to park on the street, if at all, overnight. If a guest should be allowed to park in front of your house on the street, in front of your property for how many days with a special parking pass that you put in there on the on the windshield inside their car. Uh, the question is, cars in front of houses do not make for a desirable looking neighborhood, even if they're upscale cars. Okay. Golf carts are very popular here. We have parades. We have parades and and they love their little golf carts. They decorate them with flags and banners and flowers and all of that. Golf carts for a lot of retirees here. I obviously am not, but um, they they there are alternate means of transportation. But it's interesting that they see the the homeowners association sees cars as a detriment to the value of the property. That they're they're ugly. They shouldn't be in front of your house. Very very interesting. So uh, whose topic was this? This was this was Naeem's topic. Anything you want to say back? to your co-panelists? No, I think this is, a, we all have a, you know interesting perspective. This is a very hard thing for any of us to absorb. We are so yeah. used to having the city and going out and it freaks us out like, what? You're not going to have closed yes. cities? Yes. So this is hard to swallow, but we'll, let's yeah. see how it pans out. Very, and look at New York. Broadway has been closed for how many months and they're not planning live shows until 2021 spring. Look at the thousands of people out of work. Look at the people who come, Naeem, from all over the world to see a Broadway show. I was in New York for the past 32 years and I grew up on Long Island that I could just take a train and 20 minutes be in Manhattan, 25 minutes be in Manhattan and go to a show if I wanted to. People come from all over the world for this experience. So it's the interconnection of physical bodies going to other cities to see what they have that your city doesn't. It, this is, we could do a whole show. We could do a whole symposium, a whole weekend on this. I'm going to squeeze in one more topic here. Senna, I'm looking at your statement number four, which I think is a good place to wrap this up before we go to our predictions. You say, we need, we will need a transformational shift for today's workforce. This may come as universal basic income or other government-backed initiatives. And everybody out there, we are not getting political with this. So don't think we're going there because we're not. It's just a statement. Go ahead, Senna, you're up. And this is coming from a fairly liberal person in their economic belief that it's 
while we talk about all of this and, and while we have samples of this uh, being used in factories, being used in some businesses, we need to understand that it will take many years for computers to take over uh, a lot of the menial jobs that, that uh, humans are still doing today. And that transition from a traditional workforce to a fully tech-enabled workforce, it will be a difficult one. It will be a painful one. Um, we're, we're already seeing this through, um, you know, through unions, through uh, gig economy, through the dramatic change of, of um, many old manufacturing areas, such as Midwest. Um, and we need to have a planned transition of this. Um, and it, it has to be mentored by the government. It may not be fully controlled, but I think either through basic income or social benefits, this transition has to be supported, not just by uh, the producers of technology. Thank you, Senna. Peter, thoughts? Agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I think that sort of coming from... Um, uh, maybe a less, less uh, like a more conservative uh, economic viewpoint. You know, Milton Friedman was a very big uh, proponent of universal basic income. And I think that he would like a lot of the writings from his, his day sort of emphasized the, uh, the need to kind of promote human dignity. And also just the fact that having that basic income enables the creative destruction of the economy, that it, it enables uh, the economy to, um, to evolve much more quickly because folks have that security of, of being able to change their careers uh, and change their lines of work. And so um, as, as AI and, and digitization kind of accelerate, I feel like folks are going to need to have, you know, second, third, fourth careers. And uh, I, I certainly kind of feel like there's, there needs to be a platform to support that. Thank you. Naeem, I'm going to give you an option here. You can comment on this topic and or you can substitute or combine it with your crystal ball prediction. I'm going to give you 60 seconds for that. And I'm going to be 60 seconds for this response. So you got two minutes, Naeem. Use them well. Go ahead. Well, imagine if you had a box, you put a dollar in and six dollars fell out. Would <laughs> you want one of those? So as stupid as it sounds, the universal basic income, that's what it does. See, economy works when people spend money. If you give them somebody a thousand dollars, they buy stuff, they eat things, which generates jobs for waiters and cooks and people. All those people have a job, they pay taxes. And when they pay taxes, then more things happen. So it's very hard to wrap our head around universal basic income. Like, you can just give me a thousand dollars? Are you crazy? I'm not. But if you think through the economics part of it, it is quite compelling. And being a conservative as I am, it troubles me. But the data, as Peter said earlier, is too compelling to ignore. So, yeah, it has merit, has merit. Okay, Naeem, prediction, 60 seconds, and then, or one, one sentence with two commas and one semicolon. I'll limit you to that. Senna, you're up next after that. And then, Peter, we've got four and a half minutes left till I have to wrap up. Naeem, prediction, Go. Prediction is that universities, the four-year universities, as we know it, spending $100,000 or $200,000 for four years, gone. Gone. Why? Abraham Lincoln, he didn't go to law school. He was a lawyer. How did people become relevant? And answer is stackable nano degrees plus apprenticeships. That's how people will have unique skills, a combination of skills. I'm calling them nano degrees, 
could be a two-month course, could be a nine-month course. You add, stack them all up, and you have actual apprenticeship like Abraham Lincoln. That will be the future of university education. No universities, in general, universities are not ready for this. This is a, a dramatic shift. But that's what employers will prefer, and we have to go there. It'll be so hard, so reluctant. Now, it doesn't impact Ivy League school and top 20. People will go there even if they have remote education for the name. But the next, America has 3,500 colleges and school. What happened to 3,100, the 3,200, not the top? Big problem coming. Thank you. Wow, that was a lot of sentences with commas, but I loved everything you said. Senna, 60 seconds. We're tight now. Go ahead, Senna, predictions, go. I think our standard resume will disappear in five years. Um, Vertical specialized jobs will transition to horizontal experience, horizontal positions. We are more multifaceted than a single job description. We have side gigs, volunteer opportunities. We hold many titles as opposed to having one title for one dedicated time phase. Wow. Peter Wu, 60 seconds. What you got? Uh, I, I think that um, the uh, we're going to have more digital uh, information, but uh, non-digital information is still going to be uh, very important to us. And uh, for example, libraries, I, th- I think that they're actually not going away. It's nobody will take out books, but people will still go there uh, because people will be there uh, to kind of help with the acquisition of knowledge. And um, and I, I think that what Naeem said about, um, and, and Senna also about the, um, just kind of our institutions changing. Uh, I, I certainly kind of think that that's, that's absolutely right. Uh, but I, I think that a lot of the institutions that we have right now will still be around just in a different form. Interesting. And Naeem, to your point about people living close together, a few minutes ago, we talked about urbanization. People want companionship. They want to be able to walk outside or open their door and see a human being. Now we can do it with teleconferencing, with with meetings and with Zoom. And, and we see it all the time. And those who have the tech skills, and this is not really high tech at all, have a family member friend teach you how to get on Zoom and figure it out, download the damn app and get on. We have changed that, that ability to be with other people, even though we're seeing, and we can be our best selves on Zoom. You, you, who knows whether you took the dishes out of the sink in the kitchen or whether the laundry's been done or how the house, this, the bouquet aroma of your, your house is. So we have, we have changed the ability. And that's why I sometimes say to Alexa late at night, I like you, Alexa. She says, I like you too, because I'm tired of watching TV and I want to talk to a person. She's my person. So anyway, very, very interesting. I am so appreciative to the three of you. I never thought this conversation would go in so many really, really fascinating directions. I think we could spin off about four topics out of just this show. So I want to applaud the three of you. Naeem, you wrote the the overview, the abstract for it and worked with Dana Corder. And everybody applaud for Dana Corder who put this together with Naeem. Thank you, Dana. And thank you to Ira Burke at SAP for sponsoring this series for seven years. I want you all to write to, not your congressman, write to Ira and Dana and say, renew the show for 2021. We need to have another season of Internet of Things with Game Changers. I want you to say thank you with me to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, Voice America. He calls himself my sidekick, and he's right. He earned the title. He used to just be an engineer extraordinaire. And by the way, Senna, I never went to journalism school. I have no degree in communications. I have a BA in psychology. 
technology and two degrees in computer operations and programming because I was a mainframer, mainframe programmer analyst back in the day when we were key punching. And I was a fabulous COBOL programmer. So I know computers from the old inside out. So it's interesting. The nano degrees, whoever said that, stacking up life experience. And if you look at the bios of people like Einstein and and people of that ilk, you'll see they did. And and, uh, who was Benjamin Franklin? They have 20 different things they did. They were all getting nano everything. We've got to close. So let me give my closing call to action here. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Naeem Zafar at Telesense, just like Senazorlu at Kubera Venture Capital, just like Peter Wu at Course Hero. And I will say to you, be a game changer today. I hope your car is doing as well as mine. I'm getting two and a half months to the gallon. It's a beautiful thing. Everybody have a great one. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, be sane. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 